podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It was a gorgeous day four in New York at the US Open and spirits were high. That was quickly dashed by the first two matches of the day. The match between Jack Draper and Ubi Urkacz was clearly one-sided as Ubi looked pale and weak. The physio was called out, but he stuck with the match, losing in straight sets. A bright side was it was good to see Jack Draper back on court playing well. Then it was off to court five for Matteo Berrettini versus Arthur Rindicknek. For the first set and a half, we had the Rindicknek who pushed Alcaraz in Queens. He was up a set and a half on Berrettini and was playing lights out when Berrettini took a bad fall and had to retire. I needed a palate cleanser after the first two matches, so headed off to Louis Armstrong, where Alina Svitolina was putting in a masterclass on how to come back from a set down and win. Ran to catch the fifth set of Arthur Fies versus Matteo Arnaldi, which delivered. Can't wait to see more of Fies in the future. Bobbed around the courts for a bit, and finally called it a night at the Open. The hot ticket tomorrow might finally be the day session on Arthur Ashe, but Louis Armstrong is where I'll hang for most of the day. Hi Jack, can we live up to that? That's pretty well done there by Anastasia John. I know. I enjoyed that, it was good. Yeah, she's she's great. She's doing these little two minute things for us, but I'm sure there's a for me. I'm sure that would take me a good hour to put together. But maybe she's a bit quicker than I am. But um, it's great that she's doing this because um, it's a nice little intro uh, on a daily basis, and we can also use it other times during the day. Um, Jack, where should we begin? Let's let's um let's do let's do the women because i think we'll speak to shane leonage in about 25 minutes so we'll finish with sabalenka and jabur at that juncture but okay. uh which women's match other than perhaps either those two players caught your eye yesterday probably zoo and azarenka for different reasons um wasn't that the I, day before was it was it yeah <laughs> don't worry don't worry you're you're, you're these oh, days so it was Jack, just quickly, because actually, that result, in a way, it's funny you mention it, because that result, which was 36 hours ago, um, yeah. has gone under the radar. But bring it to the radar. Bring it to the radar, Jack. Well, I was quite big in Azarenka. I just thought, you oh, know. That's quite do... big on your radar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah she's done so well at the slams recently, you know, semis in Australia. 
at like two points away from the quarters in uh, Wimbledon, I, I just thought there was a pretty good chance she, she could have done it. And then just didn't really happen. She fell away. She put on a fairly good performance, but nothing special. So maybe I was wrong to trust her. I just thought as well, you know, it was only like three years ago she made the, the final here. So that was not I easy. Wonder, I wonder if we're going to do like a, a US Open men's final preview between Alcaraz and uh, Djokovic potentially. And you go, listen, I just want to begin with Azarenka Zhu. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get that out of the way. Surely. That's the, um, yeah, it's maybe not as big a uh, piece of news as, as I've made it out to be. And now that I've got the actual day in front of me, that was Google's fault, by the way. It had today. Yeah, I a, know it is confusing with Google. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I'm back now, and I can I, I do remember the match. I did think it was a while ago. I can remember the match from yesterday, and I would say I think one of the biggest results for me actually Burrell beating Pliskova. Not really. I did call it. I, I mean, did you call it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I did call it. I I, I did think Burrell's a big hitter. Pliskova's just been so unreliable recently. It's not. It's not actually that big a result, to be honest. I'm gonna go past that one. I think okay. there's some there's other matches we can really get sink our teeth into. Wozniacki, Kvitova was probably one of the matches of the day, I would say. Definitely. That was yesterday, right? Again. Was no, it yesterday? I think it's the night before. Oh my god. Yeah, okay, because it was the again, it would have been the Thursday it was, morning. It was that's late match, maybe the last one. I couldn't actually stay awake <sighs> for that one. Right, let's talk about matches that were actually. Like, should I throw one your way? Because for me, yes, please, off John. The top of my head. The, the women's match that stood out, but it, there could have been others, and it's just the first one that springs to mind, is Svitolina against Pavlyuchenkova. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. It was great for, for a variety of reasons. I think there were dips in form, but there were also peaks. Uh, the first set was on a knife edge, which actually probably suited Pavlyuchenkova, given the way the match was going, and that Svitolina was the probably the better player at, at various points in the first set. Certainly the mm-hmm. great points suggested that and 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 Pavlyuchenkova just snatched it like uh like an experienced player that she is I mean Svitolina's not lacking in experience either but um and I was really pleased with that because I felt if Svitolina won that first set that she might run away with it actually her uh, winning the first set Pavlyuchenkova did make a match of it Svitolina did take early leads in in sets two and three uh which also lends itself to the fact that I I suggested that if Pavlyuchenko doesn't win the first set, it would be in trouble. But there were peaks and troughs. Uh, Svitolina was up for love in the decider and uh, almost blew it. Almost blew it. Uh, there was also a funny moment as well, midway through the second set. No, actually, I'll, I'll share it on the screen right now. It's it's when she asks the umpire if her husband has started his his match. Yet. And I'm thinking, <laughs> going pause. You That's know, nice. Uh, let me see if I can just get the quote here. Um. But yeah, that was also a funny moment when she speaks to the umpire and he chuckles. Yeah. I don't even know if, what his answer was. Um, and Gail Monfils was asked about it in his press conference afterwards as well. So um, anything to add to um, that colourful match? Um, just that Svetlina, as always, shouldn't be underrated um, for those who aren't aware. It's, you know, back-to-back quarterfinals and a semi-final, obviously, and, and Wimbledon won further than that. She's obviously on the way back to the top 10 for me. Obviously, I would say she's back on the way back to the top 10 anyway. The level's high enough. Um, yeah, scary What's stuff. What's her ranking right now? Is she top 30? Yeah, she's like 25, yeah. I think, 25 or 26 maybe. The the turnaround in her form this year, I think, has been remarkable. Bearing in mind the first couple of months was 
looking a bit um, a bit scary, actually. I, I, maybe I'm a, a, a bit too alarmist with that. But the first couple of months, there were some some uncomfortable defeats that made me maybe worried for her. And I didn't see the French Open run, and I didn't see the Wimbledon run, but I am seeing and understanding the the US Open run. Put it that way. Absolutely. I, I'm trying to remember some of the losses from the start of the year. That Charleston, I think, uh, may, have been, may have been some signs of, of recovery, but there was a, a few other losses. I can't remember the specific ones, yeah. but every time I would see them on social media, not and I'm not talking about the reactions on social media, I'm talking about the actual results. I'd be like, oh, yeah. uh, that's a, a tricky one for someone who is, you know, top 10 material, as she's proven in the past. But I, I, fortunately, we're seeing her back. And uh, yeah, that is pretty cool. Uh, okay, other results from yesterday. Yeah, tell me what you've got on your screen. I've also got Alexandra beating Serenko, kind of an understated win. You know, Alexandra was always going to be the power hitter there. Serenko probably happy to take a sort of back defensive seat and Alexandra too big a ball in the day. So I not really anything to talk about there. And same with Keys versus Wickmar, although I did think that one could have been a bit stickier, actually. Um, so Keys coming through one and two, that's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, that's a nice, yeah. a nice, really good win for her. Um, it was probably too late for you, but not for me, Jack. Um, mm -hmm. Another match that really stood out for me yesterday. There was probably three. Jabir was another. We'll, we'll come to that a bit later. Yeah, yeah, that's one to okay. talk about, definitely. But uh, this one here with Kazakina Kenin. No, uh, so I, I was keeping up to date with the score, John. So I saw okay. Kenin go... Uh, up a set and a break, but a break yep. against Kasatkina, it doesn't really mean anything. Anyway, she was a set and a break up, so I did think she was well on her way, having won, you know, whatever it was, nine of the first or eight of the first ten games or something. Um, and then what happened, John? I don't know. I didn't see it. I can tell you, um, because I actually tuned in from the set and a break, maybe, or certainly halfway through the second set. Uh, Kenan, by the way, was also five love up in the first and threatening a bagel. Um, and you're thinking, OK, this is interesting, at least in terms of the scoreline. She goes up an early break in the second and I'm thinking, oh, that's that's quite good for my schedule in terms of getting to bed a bit earlier than I anticipate because I get that one out of the way and, and move over to Ons. But um, Kazakina was having none of it and was had no interest in my schedule whatsoever. She wanted to make a fight of it. And, and so she did. Gets it back on serve, uh, snatches the, I think it was at 4-5 with Kennan serving and Kazakina breaks and therefore takes that set. Kennan then goes up a break in the third set, but the most, the probably the, the a turning point, if there can be one in a third set, normally we talk about turning points much earlier in the match. It was at 3-2 in the third set and Kennan uh, takes an, a medical timeout and has to... Uh, have very heavy strapping put on her uh, right thigh, I believe, although it could have been left. But anyway, uh, on her thigh. And although I don't think it affected her movement much, I think the mental side of it was tough. I, I, I wasn't seeing any major restrictions. She wasn't being made to come into the net like, Kazakh, like by Kazakhina. So it wasn't like she was having to dash for drop shots or anything like that. But I just felt as though it was on her mind. And you could see between points, she was kind of bouncing up and down to try and just sort of test the leg out, if you like, because she wasn't getting tested, at least in terms of... She was being pushed side to side. Kazakhina yeah. is very good at that, of course. But it wasn't like she's being made to race to the ball because, you know, Kazakhina doesn't hit it with the most velocity on tour. And by yeah. the way, some of the Kazakhina serves were um, amusing, let's say. Uh, you know, uh, I, there was even, there was funny because 
from one side of the court, she's hitting down towards the camera. I'm going, oh, uh, that's uh, that's um, uh, should be a nice, comfortable return for Kenan. But actually, it was even more amusing this end when she's shooting that way. Basically, I'm looking at the net coverage. I'm going, oh my goodness, it's barely going over the net from this angle. But Kazakina did produce some winners as well. You may be surprised to hear uh, in that towards him because you'd think that she'd just want to push Kenan. But I think. Yeah. I could see her father, Kenan's father as well, trying to get Kenan's, you know, headspace back into the match. I'm not saying she lost it because although uh, she quickly lost her serve in quick succession, I think she lost seven points in a row, uh, which although is not decisive for the second game, did end up leading to her losing the second game. She then also lost her serve. So therefore, Kazakina is now serving for the match uh, at one point. Uh, but she's threatening to break back. She doesn't quite do it. So it was still a fight, but mm -hmm. I just think that that disrupted Kenan. And she's having a kind of funny year, right, Kenan? Yeah, I I thought she would pull the upset off here. I didn't think Kasakina was winning this one, to be honest. I, I did think the courts are a little faster. There's a bit of um, density, you know, sort of humidity in the air. So I suppose that can slow play down in terms of your fatigue and stuff. But I did think conditions should have suited her. She Obviously, she was taking the control of the match from the start. And it kind of sounds like Kasakina didn't really let up with her tactics and Kenan eventually just got worn down. So it's probably one of those ones that maybe Kenan felt like it was a missed opportunity, probably. Um, I think that's I think that's how a lot of people walk off the court against Kasatkina though. And it's what she does best. It's you know, she she isn't a total pusher. She does come up with some pretty good shots every now and then. She could be sneaky good. But a lot of the time there's obviously opportunities because the second serve is the biggest point starter ever. If I've ever seen one, as you say, mm -hmm. funny serves. Some of them must have mm -hmm. been like 60 miles an hour, maybe less, That's right? right? Yeah, 60 yeah. to 65, something like that, yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm seeing here she double faulted 10 times. Oh, did uh, she? Okay. That yeah, may well have happened early, early on in the match. I didn't didn't realise that. So when you're rolling in a, a look, Google Stats, Google Stats, to be fair. No, but still, <laughs> there was one I remember uh, because it barely made the net and it was the second serve. Uh, and it's wow. like, oh, she also looked like, you know, she was, for you know, struggling in terms or not struggling but certainly you know putting everything out there on the court Kazakina and yeah I had Kenan to win that one so uh, a slight surprise but it's it's kind of a 55-45 one that I was thinking about Kenan. and also it was more because of just seeing Kenan a bit in the last couple of weeks uh, or the last few days even actually yeah. just made me think okay I think Kenan's got the bit between her teeth and um she's a lot of fun when she has the bit between her teeth and by the way the match was a lot of fun too um you know two very different players both of them leaving a lot on the court. Uh, one of them, Kenan in particular, showing her heart on her sleeve. And, and uh, yeah, just very different points. A, a, a lot of unpredictability, you know, streaks from one player, like I said. I mean, of the first, I'm going to say, nine games, something like that, Kenan must have won six, seven of them maybe, or six out of eight, something like that. And then mm -hmm. Kazakina goes on a run, and then Kenan goes on a run. And, and I like the ebbs and flows of that kind of match. And, and we certainly had that yesterday um pagula your tip for the title winning in straight sets probably no great surprise yeah. there i didn't see any of buskova or minin but i do know from the scoreline at least that buskova and also people in the chat last night were saying how how good buskova was playing and she has to play well against someone like petra martic right yeah absolutely i, I again didn't expect buskova to win that one Maybe this courts are a little slower than I'm letting that, and I I figure they are because both of those game styles 
which should shouldn't suit Buzkova and Kasatkina in faster conditions. But obviously, these guys are pushing players off the court, particularly Martic, who is, hits a big ball. So maybe maybe they are a little slower than I'm. I'm, I'm I've got a reason to believe. Um, I, yeah, a little bit of a dark horse there, John. About one of the only players I've kind of not really been paying attention Good to. to. Yeah, yeah, Buzkova. And obviously she's made Wimbledon quarters before. She can get deep in slams if she gets on a roll. Tough to say. Yeah, uh, Trevi Sands' run came to an end yesterday, her, her run of two matches. Uh, but it was certainly her first time was a lot of fun. Uh, losing out to Von Drusova. Um, I don't know if you are, are optimistic about Von Drusova's chances of perhaps getting to the semis or beyond. I think I've got her in the fourth round, actually. I'd have to double-check who I have her getting beaten by. I think it was Pegula, actually. Or is okay. that a quarter, maybe? No, no, that would be a fourth round, John. Could she's be a fourth round, yeah. Yeah, because she's seeded ninth, of course. Trevis Anza, you know, there's good matchups for Von Drosova. There's ones where the player will have a chance, and Trevis Anza is not one of those players that's going to have a chance against her. You know, two lefties. Again, Trevis Anza definitely more on the pushy side. A clay quarter through and through. Vondrosova more than enough in the tank to make that easy. Um, I think Pagula is the, who I've got beating her. Um, yeah, so that, uh, it's funny with with uh, Vondrosova because there are a lot of people who divide opinion and there's a lot of draws that suddenly make us put Jack Draper in the quarterfinals or for me, I think it's Davidish Fakina in the quarterfinals. And sometimes these are draw dependent because you're not necessarily thinking about them beginning the tournament. But Vondrosova... Is, is someone, at least right now, at her stage in her career, where I think everyone's kind of in agreement that she's going to do, she's going to do okay. Yeah. She's going to be getting to fourth rounds and quarterfinals of majors, and she may go deeper if the conditions are right. But but everyone I've spoken to has her with this. When you said fourth round, I was like, yeah, I, I would have been surprised if you had her going further, irrespective of whether she had Pagulu in the way. Yeah, she's she's she brings a very, very high base level to every match, but she yeah. is prone to getting hit off the court um, if if the conditions allow. But again, John, it, it could be quite important knowing how slow the courts are because the slower the court, the more chance Von Drosova's got of winning that matchup against Bagula. So it depends on the day, for sure. The weather, perhaps, is also playing a part in, in those conditions? Yeah, I, I suppose so, yeah. Um, and again, it'll depend what time the, the match is on too. So I would expect if it was on during the day, your kind of advantage. In fact, yeah, it's tough, John. I would say advantage uh, Von Drosova, actually. I've changed my mind because all that lefty spin is pretty difficult to counter when it's a very hot day. A yeah. lot goes into it. A lot goes into it. And I'm excited to see it if it does happen. I, I, I think with, with Pagula, by the way, there's, a, there's an, a narrative that maybe is being built regarding what I have said about her, um, where I think uh, Nick, anyway, has kind of grabbed onto this sort of thing that I've... I, I, what I'm saying is, is the quarterfinal thing. I, I want to reiterate, I don't think she has a quarterfinal problem. I don't think she wakes up in the morning and thinks, oh, I've got a quarterfinal to play today. I'm going to lose. I just think that that has been her level in probably 80% of the quarterfinals she's been in. But there have been a couple which probably were there for the taking um, and she couldn't yeah. quite get over the line. I mean, maybe Von Drusa was one of them this year. It's a very similar story to Andre Rublev, isn't it? The two of them have had yeah. chances in a couple of matches, but it's pretty tough to... The Pegula one, eh, or the Von Drosova one, I'm sorry, at Wimbledon was particularly unlucky because if they hadn't went off court, I yeah. do think yeah. Pegula would have won the match. Yeah. Um, so I agree, there's no quarterfinal problem. She has had a peak 
that hasn't matched the best players in the world in the past. And I believe now she does have a better peak. It's higher. She tends to play to a higher level whenever she comes on the court than she used to. And that's why I've got her, well, winning the title. But we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, did this result and this progress from Bolter getting to the third round take you by surprise? Mm-hmm. It did, yeah. I, again, I had Bolter going out um, to, to Wong. Uh, again... You know, that maybe was a bit of a toss-up, right? It could have went either way. I don't want to... I need one more big result from Bolter. I need a big result. In fact, this still isn't a big result uh, for me to be on board. So if she gets through her third round, then, you know, I'll silence as a hater. But until then, I'm a bit sceptical Bolter's level is as high as other people are making it out to be. I've got you. Maybe even I uh, fell into the uh, boosting uh, Bolter's level at one point. I think I might have posited a, a, a top... 20 top 30 thing to you Ooh. once and 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 you were like mm, yeah uh, maybe i maybe it was top 50 i can't remember what the the level was it wasn't top 10 anyway maybe it wasn't even top 20 but okay uh so that's bolter tick um there's a few men's matches i'm looking at right now let me Ooh, just what see. About oh, Jabir first right yeah, but I just want to wait on Jabir until um, until Shane joins us, which will be sure. in about eight minutes. There is uh, there are, there are one or two other women's matches, and there's also a bit of tennis news I want to speak to about as well. So I've got plenty to talk about before Shane arrives. Uh, Peyton Stearns knocking out Alton yeah. for the cost yeah. of three games. Yeah, that one hurt to see. I I do think maybe been sleeping on uh, Stearns a little bit. I, I she's definitely a bigger hitter than I've given her credit for. Um, a lot of big results, not um in terms of the the score, I guess, but I more mean like players she's pushing to their limits uh, with the size of her game. I, I think it's hard to write her off now, and a lot of res- more respect for Stearns. I'm going to be wary of her in the future because that's a big result, even if Towson obviously was a little off. Yes, somebody was in the chat the other day and they posed a really good question. And it was about uh, which, in what order would you put these five players in terms of pure talent? I know Towson was one of them. Uh, Potapova was another. Mm-hmm. Um, Raducanu was another. And I wish I could remember the other two right now. But they were all kind of like supernaturally talented players Mm-hmm. Um, of all with very different points in their careers and very different moments. But let's go with those three, because that's the ones I remember. We've got Towson, Raducanu, and Potapova. Which order? In just pure talent. Towson. Towson first. Yeah, Towson first. I, yeah. I, I'll, just, I'll justify it. I will justify it. I think when you get players that hit the ball in such a flat manner, like Towson, you know, where the timing has to be impeccable, it's quite hard to to look at the player and not say, oh my God, they are something else, basically. I, the way Towson strikes the ball is very hard to do. So I'm I'm going to go Towson first. And then, okay, obviously Raducanu has won a slam, but she's not backed it up. It's tough to see. I've, no, I've not seen that level for more than two weeks of my life, John. Whereas Towson, I've watched every single time I've seen her, I've been like, oh my God, top 10 bounds, surely. I'm, I'm putting Raducanu first, actually. And, and the reason being is, although you're right, you haven't seen that level you know, that level of two weeks of tennis since or, or probably before, albeit that her time on tour is brief. Kind of the way the question is framed, like, you know, their ceiling 
That's kind yeah. of the way I'm interpreting the question. By the way, I think it's Nerland who asked the question. He's saying yours truly, and I, pres I presume it's in response. And I was 80% sure it was Nerland, but I didn't want to say Nerland asked this amazing question the other day uh, in case A, it was wrong, and B, it would make Nerland's head too big. And Nerland does get very upset when you don't see his question. So uh, we try and address as many as we can, but it's actually during this show, it's probably a bit more difficult than a, than a watch along. But anyway, yeah, wow, I'm... I'm a little, and so Potapova is either second or third in your list. Third, third, yeah. Radican is above Potapova. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, let me just see if there's any more women's matches that I feel as though are worthy of our attention. Because I say I've got a couple of news things I want to chat to you about um, before we get to Jabir and um, oh, Lise beating Bon Bon uh, Bronzetti. That kind of, oh, sorry, Bronzetti beating Lise in straight sets. That slipped me by, and and probably you too, I guess. Yeah, it's, I mean, Bronzetti, probably not too much on her level. I think maybe Lisa's just not ready for the biggest stage yet. Again, she's a really phenomenal ball striker, and you get the impression Bronzetti is a little bit like her uh, compatriots, you know, Paulini, um, Trevisan, a little bit less aggressive from the back of the court, but still a phenomenal level and enough to, to um, deserve the win there, definitely. Cool. Uh... Uh, anyway, take care, Nerlan. Uh, enjoy your afternoon or, or morning or whatever it happens to be. Uh, speak to you soon. Uh, yeah, Ghosty as well, very keen on uh, Peyton Stearns with his um, deduction there. Makes sense. Okay, uh, cool. There may have been one other women's match that I was just looking down. Oh, no, Alexandra we've already spoken about. Um, Sam Sonova as well was one coming from Okay, yeah. In fact, I've, got, I've got two here very quickly on my screen. There's got Kinwin Zhang uh, winning in three sets, but go with Samsonova first, sure. Well, I'll just say very quickly, that was, it's a relief to see her getting through her second round. She just needs to build up momentum at, the, at these events and then you can kind of trust her a little bit more to, to come out and deliver the goods. So again, it might not have been a banana skin on paper, Corpatch, but just getting through any player in the second round for Samsonova is a, is a pretty big deal. Um, so we can kind of consider her a threat again. I'd prefer to talk about Jen Kanepi, for sure. And that's that's a bit more interesting. Because I've got Zheng in the quarters, John. So I, I would like to Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to come to Zheng now. And I've got, it's, it's kind of one or two thoughts for me, but there is a, 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 a question framed around it. Uh, Nerla has a question, which I'm very happy to answer. Who's hosting tonight? I'm doing a, a match at five o'clock, which is... Um, uh, Mukova against Townsend, which I think could be could be exciting. Uh, fingers crossed that does work out. And I think Nick is going to do a match later on this evening as well. But I think Nerland wants me to say Damien. At the moment, I haven't got Damien lined up, but that doesn't mean he won't be putting in an appearance. You never, never know with the mercurial pole. Um, good word for Damien, right? Yeah, mercurial. I, I wouldn't have said mercurial. That's yeah. interesting, but yeah, some in some context, John, definitely. Just just came to me. It felt right, but then uh, there's many things that come to me and feel right, and then work out not the case. Kinwen Zheng, um, uh, three set win there, Kai Kanepi. But but I I, I want to look at the sort of broader picture with her in terms of, I think at various stages, myself, Vanch, I think you as well at this mm -hmm. year have said. Okay, I think this is the moment we're going to see a good run. Yeah, yeah, but it's just so hard to that, like everything on paper that she's got is absolutely phenomenal. Again, in fact, more so than Towson, because the serve of Zheng is unreal. That's the shot in particular I'd like to talk about because it is a shot that is rarely perfect, right? 
I think she has the lowest first in first serve in percentage of the tour. And I'm just looking at the first serve in percentage against Kanepi there. It's a uh, 46%. She's she's often under 50% first serves in, right? If she can sort that out, the forehand is an absolute beast of a weapon. The backhand is actually phenomenal as well. Forehand more so, though, of course. And she's massive. I mean, if she gets to the net every so often, how are you going to find a, a way past her? So I'm, I hope this is the time. I've kind of went quarterfinals tentatively, though, because historically she's not put it all together, John. Uh, but the potential's Quarterfinals is still, it would still be a new peak for her at slams, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if she gets to the quarters, that's a win for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's also a win for, for people such as you, me, I think. I'm trying to think where I have her in my in my draw. I think I have her fourth round, actually. But um, I might have her in the quarterfinals. I'll have to. I've got it all on video, but I've never actually written it down as to what I, I had. And I want to write it down so I can post it um, if my if my predictions are, are coming right or not. Um, anyway, um, okay, cool. Listen, I, I know Shane has just texted me to say he's looking for a quiet spot, so he should be with us any minute. The, the two news pieces that I want to address, Jack, uh, mm-hmm. might surprise you, uh, at least in terms of me wanting to address them. Uh, one is uh, Molotov. We've got, we've got, we've got oh, Shane cool. backstage first, John. Oh, cool. Thank you for pointing that out. That's perfect. <laughs> hey, Shane, how are you doing? Hi, guys. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Good. Hi, How's the quiet spot? Is it, is it quiet? It sounds quite quiet to me. It's not too bad. I'm just uh, hoping not too many people come by. I'm just in the player hotel and um, yeah, in in the treatment area where no one's no one's actually come yet. All right, it'll be a little bit quieter than this spot that you found last night, Shane. That I saw you post on on Twitter of uh, I think it's back on a on a. Yeah, it was pretty cool actually to um, yeah walk past um, Times Square on the way back to the hotel and uh, yeah just saw. A picture of Rafa, even though he's not at the tournament. Um, yeah, it was a, a nice, cool ad um, that uh, I think Infosys has put out. Yeah, of course, him and Infosys have just joined. Actually, um, Infosys and you, are you? do you work together at all? Uh, not, not really. I mean, we're sort of in the same industry, but I think the target markets are maybe a little bit different, Where whereas we go directly to players. I think they're more uh, targeting tournaments and... Uh, providing sort of software solutions for, for them. So uh, re- related industry, but I think we're, yeah, different different spots in the value chain. Fair enough. Okay, let's get to it. Um, Sabalenka and Jabir had two victories yesterday. I think the one that that, that that caught most of our attention, there was the Jabir match. I saw you there breathe a huge sigh of relief uh, on the match point, which I believe was a forehand winner. Yeah, look, there was a few match points. So, uh, yeah, it was good to get over the line at the end there. Uh, tough match. Very tough match. How is Ons at the moment? I mean, in, in two respects. One, of course, we've got this, the, the Wimbledon scenario that's not long ago, but also physically. We saw her struggling at various times. She even seemed to still be, I saw her cough about 30 seconds after match point last night as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go too much into it. But, yeah, she's uh, obviously uh, in Cincinnati. She hurt her foot in the match against Zabalenka. Um Okay. So it's taken a little bit to sort of get back um, there. And then, yeah, the first couple of rounds, I guess, uh, when you haven't been practicing as much, the conditioning's uh, not 100%, but she's getting there. Um, so starting to put in some um, yeah, some yards. And obviously the first two rounds were 
uh, tough, long matches. So um, hopefully that, that holds her in good stead for the rest of the tournament. The tie break at the first set, which of course was crucial, as they often are, um, was not the the most, uh, what's the way, what, how can I put this without sounding unfair, but it was a kind of a win-ugly tie break. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, the conditions were uh, a little bit tougher than maybe it appears on screen. It was okay. uh, it was getting chilly, so it's probably the coldest night uh, in New York that, that I've been on court. And um, yeah, definitely it was harder to get the ball through the court. And uh, there was a little bit of wind as well at times. So yeah, it was tri- trickier conditions and both both girls um, had to navigate through that. And at various stages, they both struggled, I think, with the conditions. Cool. Uh, Jack, have you got an ons question before we move on to Arena? Um, nothing that would sound like, I don't want to put Shane in a bias spot or anything like that. I, I don't know, like, how do you rate um, ons' chances, Shane? Without, you know, you don't have to give a, a press conference answer. <laughs> Obviously, it's up, up to you. <laughs> yeah, but I'd like to think, and you know, not just ons, but ons and Arena, I think they both can win, win the tournament. Um, they're both the type of players that build into a tournament so I wouldn't necessarily look too much at their form in, in week one because I think they're building um, and if you look at historically their slam performances that's that's what you see um, so I, I still rate both their chances quite highly um, yeah obviously I, there's work to do I have a so John threw me in it there I didn't have a question Shane but oh. I have a better question now go how do you think Ons, how good a job has Ons done at bouncing back from the Wimbledon final? Is it still in the mind? You know, surely she's done a pretty good job already, right? Yeah, I mean, she's done, uh, I mean, yeah, she's done an amazing job to even get to where she is. But yeah, even uh, I think post Wimbledon, I think they've uh, done a lot of work to sort of put that behind her, but also uh, acknowledge that it happened and uh, and learn from it. So uh, that's all, all I guess she can do and the team can do. And um, I think she's um, yeah, she found a little bit of form in Cincinnati. Unfortunately, the foot injury de- derailed her um, a little bit, but um, I'd back her to um, yeah, do, do the work to, to give herself as many chances as she can in the next couple of years. Um, Shane, is it your first time in New York or have you, in terms of the US Open at least? Uh, with the, yeah, with... no, it's, it's my second time, but the first since um, the sort of the COVID, COVID years, I would call it. Okay, okay. And how does your preparation compare at this slam to others? I mean, uh, with in terms of, because we've got three different surfaces across the year, but perhaps the way you analyse things and, and bring the data as well to the two players. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we, uh, it's, we, we do rely a little bit on the early part of the season where there, there were a lot of hardcore events. So we've got a fair bit of data from there, but um, also the, the, pre, the lead-up events from starting from Washington and there was a couple of, Hardcore events in Europe as well. Um, yeah, all of that, the challenges as well that were going on. So we've got a fair bit of data going into the US Open. Um, so in terms of my, my work, it's it's probably the same as any other slam. Um, just, the, I guess, the time zone's a, a little bit different, but me being here, um, and I've got another analyst on, on, on the grounds here as well. So I think um, yeah, time zone's not a big challenge uh, when I'm at the event. There's a question here from somebody on, on in the chat regarding uh, some of the, the the wear and tear and the physical issues that 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 Ons has, has shown, but also we've seen it with Dominic Team, we've seen it with Rusevori, of course, who's, who's a player that you have worked with as well. Um, unfortunately, to pull out ill just before his match, uh, are they all the same illness? And also, are there other pl- coaches and and people that you know in and around New York that are suffering too? 
Yeah, look, I think they're, they're very different. So the rules of Rory, uh, he, he was unwell uh, shortly after Cincinnati where he had that good run beating Rublev and, um, you know, starting to feel unwell, but uh, decided to pull out a Winston-Salem as a precaution, um, but never really got better. Um, he practised a couple of times and then started feeling really, really, really bad on, on the Saturday and Sunday and didn't practise and then, yeah, just unfortunately couldn't play, um, uh, which is a shame because I think uh, he, he, it felt like he was building to something, um, but... Mm. It happens. And the other injuries, uh, they're all different, I think. Um, okay. uh, I, I don't want to sort of speculate too much, but obviously there's the, the changing balls and the surfaces. Um, it, it does d- does have an impact, uh, um, but I'm not, a, I guess that's not my area of speciality, so I, I don't want to comment too much on that. Shane, um, you're, you've mentioned the conditions, and I presume you mean in terms of being kind of hot and, and humid um, or, and just difficult. To, does that affect the way you present the data as well? Do you say, listen, we've got this data that we can look at at the beginning of the year in Australia or Indian Wells or Miami or even perhaps more recently in Cincinnati and Canada, but we don't quite know how this is going to play out in, in New York? Yeah, look, we, we put those caveats. I mean, we, we do have temperature data and we, we know if it was a day session where the data was collected or a night session. So, um, we, yeah, we're, we're aware of how those conditions can impact it. And certain teams really, uh, only, like, for instance, if they're playing at night, they only want data on night matches. So uh, other teams are not as fussy. So we, we, we try and build to what the teams want. Um, I'll always um, try and get like for like in terms of data so if it was a night session in cool conditions um i'll try and get that versus uh, something completely different but um yeah at some point you you still you still use the data you just might wait a certain conditions a bit more all right let's switch to arena savalenka because i know that time is is pressing and you've got plenty of things to do i'm sure today um she's had two at least on paper, comfortable matches. Um, I saw her first round match uh, on TV. I didn't catch her match against Burridge. How's she coming along? Yeah, I mean, she's uh, doing what she needs to. I mean, she's still finding form. I think, uh, you know, all parts of her game still uh, will, will need to improve uh, throughout the tournament. And um, But yeah, she did what she needed to. I think the match against Burridge, the scoreboard doesn't show how close it was. Um, okay. I, I've got live data coming in. And at one point, the you know, the, the difference in, 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 it was the second set and they were, I mean, Arena had only won two more points for the match. So it, it was a lot tighter than the scoreline suggested. Um, and Jody played really well. Um, but yeah, it was a credit to Arena for just figuring that out and then probably finishing really strong, um, which was uh, pleasing to see. Uh, Jack uh, interviewed her biomechanics coach earlier on this year. And I think actually, Shane, you may even have caught some of that. I remember talking to you about it at one point, yeah. uh, Gavin McMillan. So I'm going to just uh, hand over to Jack for the final uh, Arena Sabalenka related question. Thanks very much, John. Uh, I, I suppose I'm, I'm interested... The last couple of slams she's played, right? She's went out in the semi-finals. There's maybe arguments to be made that she could have played better in a few of those matches. It obviously still came super close to the French Open, had match point and stuff. Um, do you think there's any kind of lingering doubts coming back in those big pressure moments sometimes? Is it way more complicated than that or is it as simple as that? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, there's also probably a credit to uh, yeah, Mukova in that semi-final in the French Open. I, um, she she played really well. What people don't maybe see on screen was there was one end um, at Roland Garros that was really tricky to hold serve. So even though Arena was up a break, uh, she was going to come down to the trickier end at some point. So, um, yeah, so I think 
the French Open again, yeah, of course, should uh, when you have match points, you you want to put it away, but uh, it happens. Credit to Mukova, and I think Ons played unbelievable um, mm-hmm. from yeah. a breakdown in that second set to win that match, and I and I, I you know there were probably a few little things that she could have done, Arena, but Ons played unbelievable, and I think you uh, could have handed and and uh, provide the credit to the the opponent. Um, so. Yeah. I, I don't think uh, mentally there's there's any scars or anything like that. I think she'll, um, yeah, she'll uh, play play each match on its merits. So whoever, if she if she's lucky enough to get to the semi final, um, I'm sure she'll uh, be able to perform. Yeah, Shane, I, I wonder. Oh, oh, so just one what? other thing because I'm I'm very interested in knowing. Do you happen to know maybe having seen the data and obviously Arena wins in Australia, she gets close in at Roland Garros and Wimbledon, but maybe some of the percentages just go the way of the opponent because the serve maybe is a bit less effective. I just wonder, does she find it easier to hold serve on a hard court generally where the conditions might be a little bit easier to to read, I guess? And for a big hitter, that's helpful. I think that's the case for majority of the tour. They, they The hard courts give a little bit more for your serve. You helps your second serve a little bit more. Um, so I think if you looked across the board for ATP, WTO players, they would find holding serve on the hard courts and, and, and even more so on the grass easier than, than on the clay. So, um, yes, uh, to answer your question, I think, um, yeah, certainly the hard courts help. I spoke to Arena at a press conference between in Berlin, so between the French Open and uh, Wimbledon. And, of course, at that point, and, and still is, you, you, if, she, if she has a great run in New York, which I think she probably will, you know, this, this, this has been an amazing year. But for me as, as a fan as well, I'm thinking – this could have been a, you know, a Steffi Graf-esque kind of year. Just how, how, just so fine those margins are, Shane, between, you know, being a, a you know, on for a, a calendar slam and, and, and one grand slam. Yeah, it's close. And uh, I mean, she's, uh, I'd like to think there's opportunities in future years to do it as well, but the, the, the tour is really uh, strong. I think there's some amazing players in the top 10, all sort of peaking at different stages. You had, you know, Arena starting the year really strong. Ribakina, you know, in almost doing the sunshine double. Um, you had Eager dominating really once she hits the clay. Um, you know, the grass court was a, a mixed bag, but there were a lot of players popping up a bit of early. And, you know, Coco's playing amazing now. So I think it's, it's, it's hard to do that. Um, it's just so even. Um, in, in that top 10. So, um, yes, uh, we'd love to put her in the best position to do it, but I also uh, respect how well the opponents are playing as well. Of course. There is, of course, a little carrot of a world number one um, as well at stake in terms of if she goes one round beyond Eager, or, of course, if she plays Eager in the final and, and she wins that match, that will be hers. Uh, maybe that's a chat for another day, though, Shane, because uh, we should let you go. Uh, today, um, because Arena and Ons are both on the same side of the draw, there's a potential complication uh, at the, at later in the tournament, but you've had that many times before. Uh, we've spoken about that as well. So I just want to ask, what happens today? Are you are you day off? Are you chilling? Are you watching TV? Are you watching tennis? Are you going back to Times Square? I'm um, going in. Um, so we've still got uh, Matteo Analdi as well in in the tournament. Um, he's That's on the cool. same side of the draw as well. So uh, just going into practice, catching up with the coach. Um, uh, and then, yeah, tr- probably catching up with both uh, Ons and Arena's team at some stage as well. Um, but yeah, so it's it'll uh, be a little bit more of a relaxed day, but uh, we'll still be at the the centre. All right, Shane. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, enjoy the rest of your time in New York, and uh, 
fingers crossed for your players uh, that they go deep and uh, you can enjoy uh, the, the lights of New York and Rafa Nadal on, on huge screens in Times Square a bit longer. All right, mate. Thanks. See you guys. Yes, Thanks, Shane. Then there were two. Uh, Jack, anything to add to, to what Shane had to, to say? No, no, really interesting uh, chat. I, I mean, Sabalenka, she's been looking amazing. He kind of backed all that up. I didn't have her as my pick, but I'm, I'm getting swayed every so often with some of the stuff that's being said. No, really interesting stuff. Good to have you Yeah, I, I think, again, we've, we've seen parallels between Pagula and um, Rublev. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of the quarterfinal thing, and I, and, I, and I would probably throw in, you know, the narrative and therefore dismiss the narrative of um, uh, of Sabalenka with the quarter uh, the semifinals because she's got over, she's got over that. If if she hadn't won the Australian Open, you know, then I would still say that for us yeah. and for her too, that will be there. But you know, I, I spoke to her at a press conference in Madrid, and I said, "Did Australia help you get over the line here today?" in terms of the final against Eager? And she said, absolutely. Um, you know, because I just drew a couple of comparisons between the, the two finals that she had. And then also with the semi-final thing, you know, comp- for me, her case is far stronger than, than Pagula and, and, and Rublev even to dismiss it because I think it's one or two matches less. I'm not sure if it's five or six semi-finals, whether I think Pagula and Rublev are on about seven or eight or something. Seven, I think, for Rublev seven. now. Six, I think, for Pigot. Okay. Yeah. Because there's seven and six, and it may be five or six for, for Arena. But Arena's won one. So then that, you know, from 0% to 20%, say, that's a huge difference. And the one she won, she went on to win the title as well. Yeah. So I'm going to need to see a lot more uh, than just sort of four out of five semifinals and four out of five unbelievably close ones, which perhaps can build the narrative but in a way could also dismiss the narrative that there's a semi-final thing going on. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Definitely. Cool. We'll transition to the uh, men, um, whereby I will squeeze in the news stories that I was just about to mention. I'm really glad, by the way, that you highlighted, Shane, because that actually is a nice transition. We've had a couple of news stories uh, with the early departures of of Holger Runa and Stefanos Tsitsipas. Both players have parted with their coaches, um, both, did you not know that? No, I did. I did. I just hadn't put two and two together. The two of them had done it after. Yeah. And, and then of course, the Moratoglu thing with, with Stefanos in, in their history that they, they have. And Stefanos often practices at the courts there. I'm, I'm not, by the way, putting anything together. I'm just, just sort of marrying the, the stories together, if you like, rather than anything else. And also the, uh, uh, kind of brutal nature of, of both or, 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 let's say talking point nature maybe rather than brutal i mean i think let's start with runa um i think basically the words uh, at least coming from danish and then into english were it just didn't work which was the right. the, the line that yeah. stood out for me between runa and moratoglu that sounds like a a very ruinous sta- statement, I think. Well, it's probably. by his mother, I guess, on social media. But that's that's okay. the other thing. I mean, it's social media, so you've got time to think this through. Yeah, you do, and uh, it's still quite dismissive. And maybe there's something else going on there. But uh, to me, there's been history of not just Runa, but his closest, not just his mum as well. All of them have been quite. What's the word? 
a little petulant, maybe, John. So I don't, I don't know if it's just they've sustained a loss or now that's on Patrick, you know, just because he lost a match and it's maybe a drastic measure. Or maybe there really is something that's been going on for ages and ages and it's just not worked out. But I'm, I'm tempted to go with the former. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, they'll they'll always have Paris Bercy, which is nice. Um, maybe Moatoglu as well is somebody who is kind of there for the the nurturing part of the career, or, or maybe beyond nurturing. You know, going the transition to the tour and 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 is one of those guys that, yeah. that take players uh, as far as they come. But yeah, I just thought it was a little bit harsher than 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 anticipated. Bearing in mind, it seemed as though they were pretty close for the last twelve months, but. There have been moments in the last 12 months when there was a bizarre statement about three to six months ago where where Moatoglu said, that's the end of it. We did six months. And yet then I still saw him there together. So I, I was a bit confused by that. Um, but there we go. They have split and uh, I'm sure they'll both be fine. Um, over to the other one that I actually think is a far bigger talking point for me because of well, because of what I'm about to lay out. In fact, I was ready to you. You and I were going to do the show this morning. Um uh, regarding the US Open so far, that sort of got um, got sort of just put into touch for another couple of days as we want more storylines to emerge and me to get a little bit more sleep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, the other storyline is Tsitsipas uh, separating from uh, from Philippoussis. Have you got any thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, that one felt felt like it was kind of coming for a bit longer. I, I mean, Steph's results have been have kind of relatively have spoke for themselves. Okay, yes, he's still up there with the top players, but he wants to win the biggest matches. Now that he's crashed out of the US Open, this felt like kind of straw that broke the camel's back moment. I, I'm really not surprised. I think he needs a fresh look. Surprised it's not his dad, obviously, like everybody else. But, you know, he has said his dad's never going to leave his team. Um, I just... Maybe he could take a backseat as a coach and just be a father figure, literally, obviously, you know, rather than coaching him because it's obviously doesn't seem to be working. Yeah. I mean, uh, we see other, you know, parents and, and uncles, uh, et cetera, that are often nearby and they are sort of when 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 the speeches are coming out and looking to my team, you know that Rafa is including his parents and his his uncle, even if his uncle isn't in the box anymore. You know that's still kind of the team, if you like. Um, yeah. I mean, because because Tony sees Rafa on a almost daily basis, of course. Um, and uh, although he's no longer his coach, there's still you know there's still history there, and and also with his father, for example, and 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 we see it with other families. I mean. I guess Casper Ruud's father is a bit closer in terms of that. I think he is the main coach for Casper, but um, but also had a you know a pretty good tennis career himself. The I'm going to probably go a little bit further than you on this Philippus Pusis one. I feared it might happen as a knee jerk reaction, but I didn't necessarily expect it. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason I call it knee jerk is because it's six weeks. I know that they started in January. And 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 I'm just going to lay out the the stopping points over the last nine months, and you can make of that what you will. There's a lot more from the last few years of, of Stefanos's career with the, with the family and stuff, and his mother appearing at press conferences, and then basically having a debate in a press conference about three years ago as to whether it's a good thing to have your family working closely with you. And Stefanos is on the on the side of. It's not a good idea. He's saying it in a press conference. In three minutes, his mother is the, making the case for having you know family members close to the team. And Stefanos is there going, no one in the top 20 apart from maybe Zverev 
is has got a, a, a you know and even Zverev's father is not necessarily always the principal coach so it's kind of funny in a way bearing in mind yeah yeah I don't know if you know the press conference I'm referring to I remember that yeah and I remember thinking what are you talking about Steph yeah. like you know yeah but his yeah. mother is in the is in the is in the audience as like yeah. a journalist almost it's like you know pot meat kettle what is he talking about I know but <laughs> Let's start, let's go back to my original intention, which is to talk about January onwards. Um, I think around the time of the United Cup, Stefanos, I think, announces that uh, Mark Filipusas will be joining his team. Very different to be, being the head coach, but joining the team, you know, consulting, being in the box, especially during that Australian swing. Mm-hmm. Gets the Australian Open final. I think there's a few complimentary comments from from each of them. And I think I remember his semi-final uh, speech afterwards, you know, he's looking towards Mark and I think he references him in that speech and hoping to obviously win the Australian title. title. And in fact, would have been world number one, by the way, if he'd won that yeah. um, in Australia. So there's that. And then within a couple of weeks, Mark was gone. And the reason that Stefanos put out there was three's a crowd, basically, in terms of him, his father and Mark Philippoussis. So I guess whether you agree with that or not, that's a clear statement. Three is a crowd. Um, then Mark Philippoussis goes off and goes, well, I'm kind of, you know, unemployed right now, or I'm not sure about unemployed, but you know, he's a free agent at least. And uh, appears with Maria Sakkari, um, presumably on a trial basis, but who knows whether that may have developed. Uh, in that meantime, Stefanos Tsitsipas, around about August, I will say, maybe July, uh, I think it was after Wimbledon, says, um, you know, I said freeze a crowd. That is still the case. And my father is going to take a back seat, will remain a member of the team. Mark Philippoussis will be my head coach. By the way, which I tweeted, um, uh, and a lot of Stefanos fans came for me saying, his father is still the coach, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, we won't go into too much detail there, but there's been, there was a, I think I responded to one, uh, which funny enough was, was from Vicky, who I'm showing on the screen right now, which is just saying there has been a change. Mark is now number one. Uh, Stefanos's father is number two, number three, whatever. You will, you will still see his father there. You will still see him at tournaments. He'll still be alongside him at crucial moments. But as we saw in the last three tournaments in particular, his father was nowhere to be seen, I don't even think. But Mark was there front of, of stage. Now, at this point, after six weeks uh, as his head coach, he's getting rid of Mark Philippoussis. And I, uh, I'm going to say one word, chaos. <laughs> chaos is definitely fair. But I, at the same time, you know, somebody takes on a consultancy role, you don't know how much they've been involved with what's actually happening. You know, there's, there's a high chance he got promoted to head coach as a result of all his work. As a consultancy, as a well, no, because right? Jack, there's a there's a severance, there's a six month severance between the two. You're right. If he went from being a consultant or a part of the team to then becoming head coach, completely normal. And you've had nine months working together, and then you could say, okay, I'm. Um, but there were six months when he said, Mark, you're not on my team anymore because I don't want three people. Um, if you like, I mean, case in point. You're right. Chaos. That's all you need to know. It, it just, just seems like total unrest. They can't decide on one thing or another. That's basically all you need to know until Steph sorts his team out, until he sorts himself out, his game plan out, his shots out. You know, he's not going to make it to the, the titles at any of the biggest tournaments. Yeah. And stability, which is a word he used when he um, said he was promoting Mark a few weeks ago or, or, or employing Mark. Uh, he said, stability is what I need. Well, 
Anyway, there we go. Uh, rant over. And, and and probably Jack is thinking, I'm glad I didn't do that show with John this morning because it had been 20 minutes about Sitzbass and his, and his coach <laughs> uh, in situation. Let's get back to the tennis because and let's start with something that's going to make you even more frustrated. Andy Murray. Uh, I'll talk about this for a little bit. But oh, my God, I'll just say straight up. That was a terrible performance. It was not good. There was very few silver linings I could draw. Other than the fact Andy didn't give up, genuinely. But whatever, who cares if he didn't give up? It was a really bad performance. He knows that. He's starting to um, tout other players above him for the Davis Cup lineup in a a few weeks' time. He's saying he doesn't deserve to be on the team. Like That's how bad he felt after the match. Basically saying Draper, Nori, Evans, all of these guys should be above me. Um, yeah, he, he was pretty down on that. He was still quite uh, candid, you know. He didn't, but he, he said it just straight up. It should have been better. Could have been better. Um, yeah, all of us feel the same way. And Maza Fam at the moment, John, pretty pensive and yeah, not great. It's probably the most difficult defeat to swallow in the last eighteen months, maybe. Yeah. In, a, in, a, in a broader context, I'm sure going out in five sets to Steph at Wimbledon is like this. And, you know, his, his run in Australia and, you know, getting to the final in Dubai, I think it was, with Medvedev. But but it, it, when we look at the bigger picture, this is the one that probably causes most concern, right? Yeah, I, I actually find it interesting, though, the way Andy framed it. It did help a little bit. He did point out that the match at Wimbledon was a lot closer than this one. So it almost hurt a lot more, as you can see. Yeah, as an individual. I get that. And he also said the draw, obviously, was a lot of a, a, a better opportunity, whereas this one was quite manic. You know, you had Zverev, Sinner, um, Medvedev, I think uh, Zverev, Medvedev, Sinner in that order, or Alcaraz. There was just no chance. And I, I suppose the way he puts it, that's a good point, even if he'd come through, be out of the frying pan into the fire, right, John, even if he'd come through Dimitrov. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I completely get that, Jack, and I completely understand his... Uh, you know, you you lose. It's a, it's a bit like the the question we've asked a couple of times before. Would you rather lose a Grand Slam final, you know, one two and zero, oh, or would you rather you know have a match point and and lose it in a fifth set to deciding set tiebreak? Well, individually, individually, you 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 probably go, oh no, and you'd probably just rather lose one two and zero. Oh. Bigger mm. picture, you you. Stefan or Sitsipas, by the way, I'm not going to talk about the coach here, but here's a great example. I, when he loses to, to, to Rafa in Barcelona, match point, or when he loses those five setters to, to Novak in, in 2020 and 2021 at the French Open, and, and Rome as well, three sets, super tight. Bigger picture, as in like you and me looking back going, okay, where were we at with Stefano Tsitsipas here? Well, we're in a pretty good place, right? Whereas now those brutal defeats to, um, to Carlos uh, this year in Paris and, and, and Barcelona... And also the distance that seems to be between him and Novak right now compared to, say, where we were two years ago. Bigger picture, and now it brings me back to Andy, it's a bit more alarming. Yeah, the expectations for Steph are different, though, right? He's been treading water at that, like, fifth of the top five level for years and years now. He's been asked by everybody to do something more and he can't answer the question. Where, well, you know, Andy has been for about... Well, only best part of a year, we've expected a bit more of him. So it is a little fresher, John. It does help the fact that he's not been doing this for, you know, the last six years. Um, 
So just a little bit back to reality, basically. I don't really think, you know, I got a wee bit ahead of myself, but I'm back to back to being grounded again, John, basically. I, I possibly, or well, at least in terms of the results, it's bared out that way, got a bit ahead of myself too, because I thought this year we would see a, a second week Grand Slam. We may even mm. see a quarterfinal and a heroic, you know, five-set defeat. Um, but it hasn't panned out that way. And now I just feel that, the gap is is widening rather than narrowing, as I probably thought for the first six months of this year. Anyway, I don't want to upset you anymore. So we'll move over uh, to Carlos Alcaraz, who won in straight sets uh, yesterday. Sounds a bit easier than it was. He was a breakdown in the third. Uh, there were some amazing points. Uh, and, and by the way, sometimes it was Harris that was producing it too and actually winning. There was one point that was just epic, and it was just epic because... Of, of largely because of Carlos. But what was great was that Harris ends up winning the point just because so so rarely, with the exception of Yannick Sinner, I'm watching epic points involving Carlos and the epic points involving Carlos normally ends in one one way. But actually, Harris was still winning some of those points and it was actually right. a lot of fun. Well, fair enough. I didn't get to see it, obviously. It was a bit uh, too late for me. Oh, but yeah. I, uh, yeah, I think um, Harris obviously can never be... I mean, it has to be a big server that's going to be in with a chance against Carlos if you're ranked like below the top 20, right? So the, the best returners in the world aren't going to hurt him, like Schwartzman, Baez, these guys. I wouldn't have said they had much of a chance. Harris, at least, has a big enough serve that he could have scared Alcaraz a bit. Um, the, the match against Jarry comes to mind at Wimbledon. He was in that match the yeah. whole way through, right? So Only Novak pushed him more. Yeah, exactly. Wimbledon. So, I mean, Harris did well for himself, probably about what he expected. The one tie break, two tight-ish sets, but obviously still scoreline doesn't reflect how tight they were. Yeah. But what uh, there's a great screenshot here. Uh, and the point is that um, Carlos wins the point from here. <laughs> so although I was saying Harris did win a few epic points, there were still plenty of epic ones that, that came on uh, and, and Carlos wins the the point. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, shout out to... Uh, the person who tweeted that, um, uh, who's a German journalist, and I, sh I should remember, uh, Alex, by the way, Alex uh, Bolish, so thanks for that, Alex. Um, cool. Carlos Alcaraz, tick. Um, is there Medvedev? a men's match that springs to mind? Go on. Medvedev? Yeah, Medvedev was... Oh, what did... happened, by the way? I fell asleep. What <laughs> happened? Did he... he won, right? Just... He, he won, yeah, he won, he won. Just because we had a bit of drama in it and... I'm seeing that in the chat. Uh, he was talking to the crowd at one point, telling them they were stupid, you know, pointing to their... Oh. <laughs> did, you, did you miss that, John? Did you not get I to see did. that? So I fell asleep about the beginning of the third set. I think they'd, they'd exchange breaks in the third set as well. Um, but yeah. 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 Okay. It's just, it just a pair that hadn't sat down and they were making their way to their seats. And then Mevin was like, are you stupid or something? Pointing to his head. And um, the lady that was sitting down blew him a kiss. Uh, oh. much, to, much to his chagrin um, oh that annoyed him did it yeah annoyed him annoyed him <laughs> no, it wasn't what he was not amused at that point so it was quite funny anyway he um, went through in straight sets did he it, no he went through in four. Oh, he lost that third set did he okay. yeah he, he lost that third set yeah, so. I, I'm sorry, viewers and and everyone else, that I sh I I was over it in a way. Like it was on. Uh, I finished a stream and it, it was still on uh, about three or four o'clock this morning, and um and he went two sets to love up very comfortably, but I only had half an eye on it, and then I fell asleep. And I I, I but I do remember vaguely him being in more bother in the third set than he should have been, 
Uh, but I still probably expect him to win three. Um, but okay, Medvedev, nice. Medvedev, tick. Uh, so Alcaraz, spectacular, tick. New York crowd and Medvedev, tick. Uh, any other predictable things? Will Sinner winning in straight sets, tick, um, mm-hmm. in an early round uh, in New York? Um, yeah, I don't we don't even need to talk about Sinner much, nope. really, do we? Same for Fritz, actually, getting through Varias, but Varias is not much of a challenge, really, on a hard court. Um, how about Draper beating her catch? Yes. Yes, yeah. that's a good one to talk about. Um, did you manage to catch it? No, I didn't get to catch it. I have an idea of what happened, though. Um, Hubie definitely um, a little bit off colour. Well, we saw it in the yeah. video, the opening video. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Saying he was just a little bit ill, a little bit, um, you know, a step lost in his movement and stuff. But no way Draper didn't play a, a good match. Like he, he's his levels back to where it was before he got injured. I, I still have doubts that he gets through the conditions here in New York unscathed. I do feel like whoever he's playing next, I can't remember who now, uh, but whoever he's playing next, Michael Moe is who he's playing. I, I have a feeling that's going to be tough because Michael Moe will make him play. You know, if there is any underlying injuries, they'll be exposed by Moe. Um, I, I actually think Moe will win that. But I, I, I still think Draper's level is great. It's really good for um, British tennis in particular, obviously. In the future, hopefully Draper can stay healthy. All right, I know we've only got uh, going to do this for about another 10 minutes. Are you okay for 10 minutes, Jack? Yeah, yeah good, good. I'm cool. all good. Just, let, let's just go off tangent a little bit. Can Dimitrov do anything against Zverev? Uh, I said no. I got Zverev in straights there. Uh, the reason being, there's not much to separate them in terms of rally temperament. You saw Dimitrov going toe-to-toe with Andy for like, you know, 30 shots at a time because of that slice backhand. Problem is, Zverev deals with slice backhands really well because he's got such a heavy backhand you can get underneath slices much better than Andy who's is a bit flatter it's the weapon he would prefer to use whereas Andy's a little more passive with it a lot of the time and the serve differential as well Zverev's first serve's just a bit better than Dimitrov so I, I'm expecting like four three and four or something like that it just doesn't feel like there's much going for Dimitrov in that matchup it's five one by the way it's the head-to-head okay um yeah Listen, uh, I think as well, the Sverev, uh Alcaraz head-to-head is, is 3-2 in favour of the Germans. So mm-hmm. that could be... I know Alcaraz is probably, well, in fact, definitely at, at another level compared to where a couple of those matches were, and maybe even all five. But mm-hmm. um, but still, that's that's something. That's something for for those of, of, of watching or, or, or paying attention, thinking, oh, Sinner's the, the danger man. Well, Sinner against Sverev is is probable for a fourth round and the winner of that will probably play Alcaraz. So that's interesting. There's there's a bit more intrigue. I'm not saying that I'm doubting Alcaraz to make the final. I do have him getting there, but there's a bit more intrigue on that side of the draw compared to Novak's side, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, for sure. It's quite hard to see for certainty, just given the Sinner, um, in fact, both of their matchups, Sinner, Alcaraz and Zverev uh, Alcaraz, it's two of the kind of top 10 guys who actually have a good chance against them. So Yeah, there's, there's probably... Three or four people on tour that could go into maybe five that could go into a match against him on a hard court with some level of confidence, and and two of them are definitely uh, Zverev and um, Sinner, and they're not far away from him in the draw. Okay, uh, John Isner retiring a fifth set uh, tiebreak loss, which apparently was the way he began his career as well. I think I saw somebody tweet that out earlier. Apologies for not remembering who tweeted no, that out. No, you might have missed Was it not just uh, he, he started his career on a tiebreak in Newport? I think I saw that. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's what that did I not say something like that, or did I? No, no. Not... So it's like that was the first. The first set he played was a tie break. The last set he played was a tie break. That's the the similarity, basically. Yeah. Apologies there. So, uh, Isna retiring uh, after winning the first two sets as well, and also losing two tie breaks in there, which are. Uh, and may cause a bit of surprise and uh, disappointment. I, I thought that he would get at least one match on Ash uh, for his first two matches. I mean, uh, I thought that that was an unusual decision not to, to do that. Yeah, well, if you put everybody that was retiring on Ash, you'd have, you know, Van de Vee, Sock, Isner. Like, there's a lot of players. Is he not a bigger off. name than those other two, though? Yeah, he is, he is. He is, to be fair. So that was a bit surprising, I agree. But you look at who was on there, maybe there's good reason. Medvedev, Alcaraz, right? These guys have to take it before Isner, I would say. That's just the way it is. Yeah, but Medvedev was against Balash in the first round at the expense of Isner. And I, uh, yeah. Anyway, that yeah. discussion has been, been had. So uh, we can move on, I guess. But anyway, Isner is uh, retiring off into the sunset. Uh, Matthew, they're saying he's guided for John. I think he had over 14,000 aces as well, which is a record, as well as, of course, the longest match of all time. He did win a Masters 1000 as well, right? Miami, yeah. He won in 2018, yeah. I think, against Zverev. Oh, 2018 was a stellar year for him then, because he got to the yeah. Wimbledon semifinals as well, right? Yeah, yeah, that was the same year for sure. Um, and then he made the final of Miami the year before, I want to say. I think he lost to Federer. I saw uh, Monfils against Rublev, uh, eh, the majority of it. I think there's very few men's matches, actually, I've managed to catch 100% of at this tournament. Um, quite a few women's matches, but men's matches, I tend to sort of watch the beginning, and if it catches light, I'll stay with it, such as team uh, against uh, Shelton. But then, of course, that happens, and then suddenly you're not watching a full match. Or I'll join it at, at an exciting moment, Um and I missed the first set, I think, between Rublev and, and Monfils, but then caught it from there on. It was a lot of fun. As as, as Mon- even five one down, I think he was, uh, or maybe even five love down, five love down in the in the Desar- in the third in the fourth set. And it was still fun because Monfils was being made to run a lot more than he would have liked, but was winning some of those points. And and so that was a lot of fun. And um, he also tweeted like uh, a big thanks to everyone. And I forget what it was. His tweet was that made me think, oh, that's a nice way to end your tweet. But anyway, uh, he was still having a lot of fun, obviously going out, but his wife is still in the draw. So I'm sure his New York stay will be prolonged. Um, any thoughts on, on this result? Not really. Exactly what we expected. Rublev's been given a lovely first three rounds. You know, what could yeah. have been uh, Rusevori, Monfils and Berrettini or Humber has become Kazo, Monfils and Rinderknech, which is, you know, a, an amazing improvement. And for all of his woes at the slams, whatever they are, kind of inverted commas, he does take care of business against the lower ranked players, right? So Monfils, yeah. the, the players he should be beating. So that's just, you know, four sets. That makes, that makes sense to me. I'm glad you mentioned Berrettini because I guess he maybe needs to get a mention, bearing in mind, uh, unfortunately, his demise. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it looks like I'm watching images of him right now in a wheelchair actually being uh, wheeled off court. Now, that uh, can can mean a lot of things. Sometimes, you know, it's just a lot easier to, to be wheeled off in, in a wheelchair rather than um, anything else. But, of course, he pulled up injured, uh, falling on his ankle, yesterday uh in his second round match and there was a scream of pain and i i, I hope it's not Svedev levels of, of damage that he's done yeah even if it's a bad sprain though it still could be the end of his year 
Yeah, it's very unlucky. It's, it's giving shades of Del Potro. You know, you take a long time to get back onto the tour and then something else happens to you. Obviously, he fell on his, his knee in, in Shanghai and that effectively ended his his uh, super competitive career. And it's kind of the same for your Dominic team as well, right? He's had similar issues. So the three of them um, with a, a large amount of bad luck. Yes, a large amount of bad luck. And, and it was a year ago, I remember his defeat to Casper that caught me by surprise, actually, because I thought he would win that quarterfinal. And I thought there's a there's a chance here with, with Rafa out, um, Djokovic not being there. Alcaraz was there, but I, I I was not convinced about Alcaraz at the beginning of the US Open. Of course, that that did change as the tournament went on, especially after that quarterfinal against Sinner, which I think came a few hours or maybe even 24 hours after Berrettini's loss to Sinner, to, to Casper Ruud. So, yeah, and of course, we had the Wimbledon COVID thing. Um, as Vanch said yesterday in, in a chat that we were having, uh, you know, we just can't get a break, this guy. Mm -hmm. Unless it's his ankle, it, it seems, which is a, a very bad joke. So we'll move on. Um, okay, uh, any other men's matches yesterday that, that, that spring to mind before we kind of wrap things up with a quick look ahead to today? Yeah, there were a few. So I'll just, I'll just very quickly say, let's just pick out the best ones. Stan, certainly still on a roll, managed to get the Four job sets, done against yeah. Echeverry. I'm not saying he'll do anything. In fact, I'm saying he won't do anything against Sinner would be my uh, guess. But he might put on a good show for sure, maybe four sets. Mm -hmm. And then um, Dan Evans against Van de Zanschelt. In fact, all three Brits out of four, <laughs> making it through to the next round on the men's side and obviously capable to doing the same thing. So it's a really good... Uh, Tournament for the Brits, uh, ironically, because um, against Van de Zanschelt for Evans, Sue for Norris, a bit less impressive. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can keep going. Yeah, and uh, Dan Evans, if he was to make the second week, um, uh, that would be a really good North American swing with him, obviously winning in Washington as well, which which I thought was actually a pretty impressive win because I thought he played really well during that um, tournament. Uh, you know, beating p people pretty comfortably, playing some pretty spectacular tennis too. And I've got a bit of a soft spot for Dan anyway, so maybe um, I'm biased. But anyway, cool, 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 cool. Uh, he actually what, lost his first set last night, uh, but it, it ended up winning quite comfortably in the end over Botic. Botic, by the way, um, has really been in a bit of a rut since having those match points against Holger Rune um, at a clay 250, I think, in Hamburg maybe earlier this year. Uh, yeah, Arnaldi overcoming Feast in five sets. Um that's a spectacular result. Uh, Alves retiring, unfortunately injured against Baez. Uh, I think Damien was quite optimistic about Alves's chances both before and during the match, but unfortunately he had to retire hurt. Cam Norrie threw in straight sets. Uh, any of these um, results you 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 want to have a a thought on? Um, no, I've covered most of them. Um, certainly, if are we having a quick preview of tomorrow? Or ah, let's note yeah. tomorrow, basically today. Yeah, so let's have a look forward to today's matches. Uh, before we wrap things up, what uh, what springs to mind? Swantek against our best friend, Kaya Yuvan, I guess. I mean, it'll be Iga doing Iga things probably. So probably a better one to dive into would be Mukova Townsend or Wozniaki Brady, either of those maybe. Wozniaki Brady. We're going to do Mukova Townsend on. Uh, we're going to do a live watch along, which will be live in about 45 minutes. So make sure you like and subscribe and tune in in 45 minutes for that. I just think that Mukova will probably win. I'm extremely sure that um, Sviontek will win. But Brady Wozniaki, what are we looking at here? 50 50? 
Yeah, I want to say 50-50. I think, I think Brady's playing well enough to do it. I honestly do. Obviously, the two of them are coming back, but neither player is looking any less sharp than when they left the tour. I think Brady's got the firepower to, to find a way through it. But then Wozniacki really is a, a different breed, kind of Simona Halep-esque in, you know, top three best kind of pushers of all time, genuinely. So <laughs> if, if there was somebody that was going to find the, the errors, the, the weaknesses in, in Brady's game, it would be Wozniacki. So yeah, I'm going right. to change my mind and go Wozniacki. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, it's it's pretty close to call. Actually, I thought her Kvitova match was also too close to call. I think I just went Kvitova at the last minute uh, incorrectly. But um, yeah, uh, Wozniacki's uh, return. But I, I'm actually, I, in a way, I'm kind of pleased that these two are meeting because I was talking about the narratives regarding their returns. And I'm a bit bigger on the Brady narrative than the Wozniacki narrative in that, you know, I know Wozniacki, you know, you know having kids and uh, or having at least one child. Um, but, but, you know, also seemingly to choose to to end her career as she did three years ago, and she'd won a Grand Slam. And the way she plays tennis is is a way of playing tennis, but it's not uh, so appealing for me. So I'm bigger on the Brady return, and yeah, I think a lot of people seem to be bigger on the Wozniacki return. And I'm trying to say Brady's the person who we should be going for. Her. She's never won a Slam, which always endears me anyway when it comes to with anyone except except our favourites. And I'm, I'm fine with that. You know, if you're supporting Andy Murray or Rafa Nadal or, or Igor Fiontek, I completely get that. But when you're a neutral observer, as I probably would be for a lot of other matches, I'm going for the person who's not won a Grand Slam against the one who has. So, yeah. And, and Brady's Brady's absence was 100% forced, you know, in terms of injury. And and yeah, I prefer her style of tennis. So I'm, I'm bigger on the Brady than I am the Wozniacki train. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and then maybe the last women's match I'd like to point out is the sure. is Goff Mertens. Um, okay. Which maybe Mertens doesn't bring the level actually to make that super exciting now on second thought because Goff is playing fantastic. I expect her to bring a really good base level into that, even if she's feeling a little nervy against a player who will give her space to find the match, find her rhythm, basically. So, yeah, that's that's my only comment. I actually I actually think Goff, even if she is feeling a little off par, should still come through that. Cool. A, a men's match that you're looking forward to today? Yeah, Paul Davidovich Fakina is probably the one that jumps out, I yeah. would say. That's guaranteed to be a little flashy, surely. We'll get some pretty good shots from that one. And really, because of the conditions being a little hotter, it's probably going to be quite even. I think, actually, here's the stat, John. So, Davidovich Fikina, the last five slams he's played, has went to a fifth set in four of them. So, the only one he didn't was the straight sets lost to Novak at Roland Garros. One of those fifth sets lost. He should have won one of those sets, I think. Yeah, he should have won one. Yeah, yeah. One, one of those losses was to Tommy in Australia. Um, yeah, so we'll be looking, that. You'll be looking for a bit of revenge. But point is, he keeps getting to these moments and slams where he needs to step up just a little bit and he just kind of fatigues just a touch and he, he can't quite do it. So I think we're, we're guaranteed a fifth set and who knows if he'll get revenge or not. And of course, uh, Tommy Paul uh, in Australia and also even here in New York is very familiar with five sets too. I mean, he came from two sets down against uh, Safiulin to win that one. So... Yeah. Okay. Listen, it's been an hour and 20 minutes. I said we'd be an hour, but there's just always a lot to talk about. Jack, um, thank you for coming along today. It's been been great having you on. That's all right, John. It was a pleasure.
And for the rest of you, you know the drill. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis. Sports Social Podcast Network.